0: And welcome to today's podcast. I am Diane Kamikaze, and today we are remembering Lemmy. It's been about a year since he passed away. Lemmy died December 28, 2015, right after his 70th birthday. And uh, at the time I did, of course, a hours-long Motorhead special. And I was lucky enough to be able to speak to three different guys during that show who knew Lemmy or uh, at least had stories to tell about Lemmy. So that's what this podcast is going to consist of. We'll be hearing from John Wiederhorn, who's an author who interviewed Lemmy many times. We'll also hear from Munzi Rieke, who was Lemmy's publicist and Motorhead's publicist for many years. And from Jeff Wagner, also a writer, who interviewed him as well. When Lemmy passed away, there was a memorial for him at the Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Hollywood Hills, where he was buried. And that memorial was streamed live on YouTube. The archive is still up to date. There's over half a million hits on it. And there is a full-size statue of Lemmy at the Rainbow Bar and Grill in Hollywood as well. So a lot has happened since Lemmy passed away, and we still miss him, and Motorhead still rules. Long live Lemmy. I have with me on the line John Wiederhorn. John, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: It's my pleasure.
0: John was on the program some time ago, uh, author, co-author of the book Louder Than Hell, and um, you have had many experiences with with Lemmy.
1: Yeah, I, I've interviewed him about seven times, seven or eight times for, for different uh, magazines, websites, and television programs. So, yeah, he, he was a character.
0: And uh, can you just give the listeners some, you know, a moment or recollection that you have that really sort of does stay in line with who he was as a character?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I was uh, interviewing him for a uh, a cover story for Revolver. It was uh, a roundtable discussion with uh, Ronnie James Dio, Lemmy, uh, Rob Halford from... Judas Priest, obviously, and uh, Testament singer Chuck Billy, and uh, they were all talking about a big tour that they were going on together, and uh, recalling sort of the ups and downs of uh, of the metal industry. Um, and it was a very there was a very tight schedule because Rob had to get in and out. So um, Lemmy was recruited, of course, and uh, as per his usual um, um, requirements, he had to uh, be picked up in a limo. And uh, taken to the the interview location, and there had to be a bottle of Jack Daniels in the car with him. So um, we're we're waiting, and time is ticking, and we're getting past the hour where everything's supposed to have started. And of course, Lemmy was an unpredictable character, so occasionally he wouldn't show up, or no one would know exactly where he was. So <laughs> everyone was was uh, really um, you know. At wit's end, um, and and hoping he would he would show up, and and of course he did. He uh, he came in maybe fifteen to twenty five minutes late, and the first thing he did was walk over to the uh, condiments table, and uh, pull out a, a, a large plastic cup, which they they were cups for the drinks, and uh, he took his bottle of Jack Daniels and filled it with. Uh, filled the cup with Jack Daniels, put in about a tablespoon of uh, Coca-Cola, nice. drank the thing like it was a, a cup of water, uh, repeated the process, finished up, went, <clears throat> all right, well, let's get going then. And uh, it, w- it was just a brilliant moment. He was, he was a pure professional and uh, a highlight of the panel. And, um, you know, in, a se- in ex- addition to being a really excessive individual and living life, in his way, on his terms. He was also a very witty and uh, and bright man. You know, he wasn't this knuckle-dragging hedonist that, that some people seem to, to view him as. And that's really why he was so charming, is because he was such a character, and he defied all of the stereotypes that, that people tried to, uh, to make him, you know. So. Yes.
0: Yeah, he, there's many stories, and everybody kind of... People know out there that he was... At least very informed, if not, I don't know about his actual education, but uh, always always quick. I, I, uh, I got to interview him many years ago before I was on WFMU, and I never ended up airing the interview. I was between radio stations, mm. and uh, he he was really, you know, a, a nice guy, and nothing really stopped him.
1: Yeah, That's, he was charming, actually, yeah. and well-read. And, uh, yeah, unforgiving with his lifestyle, just uh, unrepentant about anything he did, which, you know, was great. And, well, and um, he
0: made it to 70. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, I I don't think that that's really a disappointment. It's a disappointment <laughs> that he's gone, but in terms of, you know, his health and all that, I don't know if he would have wanted to.
1: Absolutely. The past two years have been really rough for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, uh, much has been... Reported about his, his various health conditions, be it diabetes or his heart con- arrhythmia, which he had a... Yeah, uh, he,
0: he had a, a ticker a, put in.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and uh, then he had complications from that, and he had a hematoma, and he was... In the, his, his, the last time I interviewed him was in September. He was walking with a cane and, you know, still taking speed, still drinking, but I don't think he was enjoying life. And mm. Lemmy was, you know, an absolute lover of life, and if he couldn't enjoy his life, I don't think he wanted to live. So I'm not saying he he, he wanted to to die by any by any means, but um, I, I think he would have been content knowing that he would live 70 years, uh, die quickly and fairly peacefully, and um, leave a tremendous legacy.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, there's there's nothing more to say, and that's. I'm really glad that you could come on and speak a little bit because I'm just going to rock for the rest of the day here.
1: Happy to do uh, it. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I don't think we should mourn him. I don't think he would want that. I think we should celebrate all his uh, achievements and the wonderful music that he left us with, with with, uh, amazing prolificacy. Uh, Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, just keep enjoying our own lives because that's what he did
0: true as a matter of fact there there is a role model there
1: yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> don't don't live by example necessarily uh but you know the overall in the, message in the, is okay yeah yes. but but uh you know yeah love love your life and do what you want and uh you know be kind to others which he certainly was you know in addition to being an outrageous figure he was a good guy everyone mm. loved him
0: for sure. John Wiederhorn. thank you so much for joining us here on WFMU. Long live Lemmy, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Long
1: live the king. Thanks okay. so much.
0: Okay, take care. And we are WFMU, and I have joining me, Muncie, are you there?
2: Yes, I am.
0: Hi, Muncie. How are you?
2: How you doing, darling? I am good.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today here. On, we're doing a tribute to Lemmy. How long did you work with Lemmy for, sir?
2: Oh, God. Uh, we started uh, working with Lemmy, well, with Motorhead as a whole, and management in 1993 when the Bastards record came out. You know, management had called us. Uh, you know, obviously I came from Polygram Records. Uh, Polygram had put out one Motorhead record, but that was through the, in the early 80s. However... You know, I didn't really start working with the guys until 93, and that's when the Bastard's Record came out. Management had hired us, and, you know, we did such a bang-up job for it that, uh, you know, Todd at Management called me and said, all right, well, you're our guy, so you're going to handle everything, and I'm going to send everything to you. And we kind of pseudo-became the radio promotion company for Moda since then.
0: Yes, you were, and... Um so I have on the line Munzee Riki of Skateboard Marketing, and you have been working with Motorhead. for, And, you know, you're the first person that I thought of when Lemmy passed. So I know you've known him for a very long time. And thank you for working with Motorhead, first of all. Oh, well,
2: well first, thanks for all the support WFMU has given Motorhead over the years, especially your show. You guys have always supported the band, and you've always supported a lot of the records that we've sent you for the metal show. So you know we can't thank you enough. So anything you guys are going to need, you know, we're going to take care of you, Diane.
0: I know that. I know that. So what I need from you today is a recollection of a moment, something that really, th- that's that's something that you think of when you think of, uh, when you think of Lemmy, when you think of Motorhead. What what kind of what kind of story can you give the listeners?
2: Well, you know, I mean, there's so many deba- stories of debauchery.
0: There are. Uh, From
2: being on the road. You know, I've been to England with the guys four times. I've been to Philly, uh, obviously all the New York and New Jersey shows, the Boston shows, a few shows in L.A. You know, out of all the bands that I've seen live, uh, Motorhead and Judas Priest, I've seen the most out of everything. And Motorhead's got to be at least 75, maybe 100 times I've seen the band live, so... You know, I mean, my liver kind of looks like a burnt pork chop the next day after a night out with Lemmy. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> but I, I think, you know, one of our most memorable stories is when the band was playing in Austin at South by Southwest a few years back. You know, it was the day before the show, and uh, I called Lem. I said, Lem, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, I don't know. You know. So I you know, figure it out, let me know, call me. And then Mickey called me and said, let's go kick it. So we all went down to Stubbs uh, because they were playing at Stubbs. So we ate, and Lem really didn't eat. You know, I mean, his diet pretty much consisted of Jack and Coke and a pack of Marlboro.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes.
2: So, you know, we ate, and then we went around to the back and like, hey, dude, come on, let's go in the back and let's go check out. You know, let's, you know, let's go uh, see you know, how they're going to set up the stage for the venue area. And Mickey D goes to the bartender. He said. Hey, it's uh, Mickey D from Motorhead. We're playing here tomorrow night. Um, can we have an advance on our beer, please? <laughs> <laughs> uh... So the bartender lifts up his shirt, and he's got an orgasmatron tattoo right on his peck. Right. So we're just, uh, I mean, on his delt. So we're like, oh, look at that. So the guy was a Motorhead fan, and nice. then Lem comes walking over, and the guy was in heaven. So we sat at the bar, and we drank for a while, and, you know, life was cool, and... The next day for the show, we brought the guy backstage, and the guy was all happy, and, and, and it was chill. But later that night, you know, we all leave, and we wound up at another bar, and we were there until closing. And, um, and, I mean, that was pretty much a typical night out with the Motorhead guys. You know, it was wherever it led you, that's what you were doing. And it always included alcohol, a pack of cigarettes, and whatever pub or club or bar that we could find.
0: Nice. Well, thank you for wandering around with Lemmy for decades. <laughs> yeah,
2: he's, um, you know, Lem was a class act. You know, listen, he did what he wanted to do by his own rules. He really didn't answer to anybody. Um, you know, he found out he was sick just a few days ago. Yes. So, you know, obviously this came kind of real quick. We knew he, he hasn't been in great health. You know, I saw him in Germany at Valken back in 2013, and that's when everything had just hit, so he was nursing himself back. But at least, he, you know, he was bold enough to get on stage in 95-degree heat and, and bring the fans six songs. And it was late in the afternoon, and there was 125,000 people in Germany just going nuts waiting for them, you know, and, and Phil and Mickey to get on stage and, uh, and just bring it because, listen, those guys got on stage, and they did what nobody else did. You know, Iron Maiden does what they do. Lamb of God does what they do, and Morbid Angel does what they do. Nobody did what Motorhead did, like the way Motorhead did it.
0: Exactly. They were
2: just, you know, they were just a class act, and that's what that's what they did. So, you know, the last time we saw them was, uh, you know, at Jones Beach in two, uh, just in September of this year.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah,
2: and you know, he looked a little frail, but he was okay. You know, he got on stage he still and played. Opened up, as he did with every Motorhead show, We Are Motorhead, yeah. and we play rock and roll, and brought an hour and 15-minute set. And he just, he was he was so on point. And after the show, he just walked back in the dress room, and he sat down, and he poured himself a Jack and Coke and lit a cigarette.
0: There you go. I mean, you know, it, that everything that you say just, just sort of uh, points to the fact that Motorhead really was a lifestyle and he was Motorhead as opposed to I'm in this band and I'm in this band. He was the band.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Motorhead has become a brand. Um, You know, if you stop and you look at the fan base globally, that is, you know, there's certain fans where I I don't care whether it's Madonna (laughs) and, you know, or it's Randy Blythe or then you get into, you know, a country artist. Everybody knows who Lemmy is because over, you know, the past 40 years, this band has become a lifestyle. Yes. It's a brand name. And when you stop and you look at it or you see something with the Motorhead logo on it, right away they know, ah, Lemmy, Motorhead. Right. Now, it's a lot of it's attributed to Lemmy, but a lot of people forget about the early days with Fast Eddie Clark
0: mm-hmm. and with
2: Wurzel and Filthy Phil. Yes. And, uh, you know, obviously the latest lineup, which has been the latest lineup for the last 25 years with mickey d and phil campbell
0: right yeah you know
2: and um i mean they're just as part of this as lemmy was it's just a lot of it revolved around lemmy but to just come back and say well it was all lemmy is wrong because everybody that's been part of this band had something to do with it and has contributed to what this band has achieved and the establishment that it's left
0: well, and then I'll say that Lemmy himself was 100% Motorhead. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And there is nothing well, that he know. didn't do in his life that didn't, you know, be the actions of somebody who was in Motorhead. Like, you know, I could, I could just see him even at the bank, like, you know, just being a little outrageous in, in whatever way.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, in public, a lot of times, you know, when I was in L.A., I'd call Lem, I'm like, hey, Lem, come on, let's go, we gotta go to, you know, we had, go to the local radio station out there for an interview, mm-hmm. and I'd say, okay, Lem, let me uh, let me pick him up, and, you know, we'd go there, and, you know, he was a gentleman, he would walk in, and he was always a gentleman, he always had his manners, and uh, he always showed people a lot of respect, that's just how he was, mm-hmm. but if you pissed him off, you know, you didn't want to piss him off, you know, but... <laughs> You know, in, in a nutshell, that's just, that's, that was his upbringing. You know, he, he had respect for a lot of people and a lot of things. And, you know, anybody who, who doesn't see that or realize the type of guy he was, they just kind of look at him and be like, oh, here's a, here's a rock icon. Well, yeah, but he's a human being, too.
3: Of
0: course, he was an
2: average guy. That you know, he'd come to your house. He'd be like, "Hello, good day, nice to meet you. It's a pleasure."
0: Mm-hmm. You know, he was
2: that. That was Lemmy. You know, he had, you know he had his respect about him. And um, I, I think one of my favorite records that we actually worked had to be the Bastards record because it was the first record that I worked for them, and it was my first time really being on the road and experiencing what the guys were all about. And, you know, all, all, the, all the later records, whether it was Motorizer or We Are Motorhead or Aftershock or Inferno, all those records are, are great records. But no, no record comes closer to me than the earlier stuff like Overkill and Bomber and Iron Fist and Ace of Spades. Yes. Especially Another Perfect Day, which is, I mean, it's a great record, but it's one of the least spoken about and least played records at radio by Motorhead. It's I think, another perfect day.
0: I think over time that that record has gotten respect, but it was definitely more melodic at the time. And I remember having to give it a few listens, you know, being like, oh, I'm not sure. And I was psyched because it was Brian Robertson from Thin Lizzy. But I, once hearing it, I didn't embrace it right away.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a little weird that every artist has that one record that they do in their career that is epic and phenomenal. Reich had Operation Mindcrime, you know, phenomenal. You know, Motorhead, you know, they've had a lot of phenomenal records, and that's the least looked at record. And, I mean, listen, it took me a couple of listens as well, too, you know, but um, obviously when you're getting down to uh, the Bomber or Ace of Spades, those are, the, those are definitely the records.
0: Yes. Yes, for sure. Hey, so Muncie, thank you. Thank you for joining us and uh, contributing to the, our, our uh, commemoration of Lemmy. And uh, thank you for everything that you did for Lemmy and Motorhead.
2: Uh, Diane, thanks for having us on the show today. I really appreciate it and all your support for Motorhead over the years. Of course.
0: Long live Rockman. Okay, girl. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Jeff Wagner, are you there? I am here. Here you are. Excellent. There I am. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. My guest is Jeff Wagner. The latest book you put out is the... Um,
3: Soul on Fire.
0: Yes. Uh, the the Peter Steele biography. Peter Steele biography, yes. And mm-hmm. um, a metal writer for... I, I would hate to actually ask you how many years, because then I might feel old. You can say
3: decades. Decades. makes me feel old along with you. So
0: well, no it also problem. makes you sound like a master. You know, so, so, well, so, but but that, um, I just want to thank you for, for being who you are in the realm of heavy music because you have had experiences with Lemmy and that's what you're here to talk about today, right?
3: Sure. Yeah. And I think, uh, thank you for doing this show and playing his music and, you know, I, I think it's nobody would, uh, uh, probably second guess the fact that he's already immortal. He was immortal while he was still living so, yes uh, yes um but yeah it just hit us hard and yeah i you know i woke up the, the morning after he died and um had this uh memory of course my greatest memory of lemmy uh and i posted it on facebook and uh, a ton of people liked it so i um if you'd like me to tell you about
0: i would and i believe the listeners would too
3: uh, great well it was it was 1998 i was still at metal maniacs magazine uh, in new york uh, living there and everything and and uh, i was editor at the, the magazine along with mike g um, motorhead's label at the time i think it was cmc uh sent me out to la to interview lemmy for the forthcoming album snake by love so I got flown out there. The plan was to meet Lenny at the Rainbow because Rainbow, of course, on the Sunset Strip is his kind of home away from home. I think he probably spent more time there than he did at his apartment a few blocks away. Yes. Um, we, we meet at the scheduled time, and his manager, I think his name is Todd Singerman, pretty sure that's who that was, um, dropped him off in an SUV and kind of waited for him to give the thumbs up that we were good. But we found that the Rainbow was closed. So we decided, Lemmy kind of offered, hey, you want to go back to my apartment? I said, duh, yeah, that sounds great. Um, <laughs> so we got into Todd's SUV. Uh, my girlfriend was also living in L.A. at the time. Her name was Tanya. And she dropped me off, and I said goodbye to her, and I'll, you know, come meet me in two hours. That's what we had decided on. So I do I that, and uh, we get dropped off at Lemmy's apartment. Very unassuming place, just a few blocks away from the Rainbow in Hollywood. And... Uh, uh, I was a little, you know, I didn't expect opulence or anything, but it was just kind of a normal place. And we walked in and as he's unlocking the door, he says, so how's business at Metal Maniacs these days? And I said, great. And he goes, you're lying. And opens the door and we proceed to the lemming world. Um, his apartment was this smallish place, um, littered with stuff. I mean, littered with Everybody knows probably that he's a World War II memorabilia collector. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was definitely, you know, he, he, he's very unfairly branded some by some ignorant people as a Nazi, but he was only interested in the history of it, okay? Um, but he collected a lot of stuff from that era. So there was a lot of that around, like, spiked, you know, the helmets from the Third Reich and all this weird stuff. Um, lots of Motorhead CDs, most of them, you know, these kind of, like, uh, unofficial collections that labels would put out uh, that he didn't made no money from, oh. and even some dolls that some Japanese fans had, had um, uh, made for him. So it was oh. just a neat assemblage of, of stuff just lying around.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so he proceeded to pour a couple whiskey and Cokes for us, and I don't like whiskey, never have, never will, but when you're with Lemmy, that's what you drink. So you and drank I, it anyway. Good. I, of course I drank it anyway. Lemmy's handing me a whiskey and Coke. I'm not going to say no. <laughs> I I suffered through it. So we sat there and we listened on his little crappy boombox. I'm not sure he had a proper stereo, but, you know, I mean, he explained to me that, you know, he just kind of lives like this because he's on the road most of the time. So there's no reason to have, uh, you know, anything nicer and i probably imagine that his boombox was his stereo. So Mm. crappy little thing. He pops in a tape of Snake by Love. Uh, uh, You know, just a, fresh from the master probably, and uh, it hadn't come out yet. and That's what I was there for, and we listened to the whole thing, and he's commenting on the songs, and we're just chatting away. And he was great. He was cordial and sweet and, you know, just that great uncle that we all feel like he was. You yes, know, um, yes. Really warm and hilarious, you know. I mean, his wit, of course, is legendary. Um, at one point, I excused myself to go to the bathroom, and... I as I went into the bathroom, I snuck a peek into his bedroom, and he had a bunch of, like, German daggers on the wall. And they're all very meticulously arranged, uh, hanging up on the wall. And I thought, well, that's the most order I've seen in this apartment, you know. Mm. Um, but he's very, apparently proud of these daggers. And I thought, well, oh, that's kind of wild, you know, kind so of looking into Lenny's bedroom. So I get into the bathroom, and at some point, you know, doing my business, I, I think to myself, I can't believe I'm standing here in Lemmy's bathroom. You know, it just was like this me moment of, like, yes. you know, doing something very mundane, but I'm doing it in Lenny's apartment. So it was, you know, <laughs> I was really grateful to have that kind of funny experience. Um, so anyway, we talked some more, and uh, time comes for me to leave, and uh, he grabbed a copy of Overnight Sensation, the prior album, mm-hmm. and just autographed a, a copy for me. And he had um, made an inscription that said, hey, Jeff, you who? Me too.
0: Nice.
3: Lenny. Um, and then he handed me this business card and it read Lemmy on it, but you wouldn't really have to even see the, the, the name Lemmy on it to know that it was his because it was like black on white, a black spade on a white card, uh, looked like a playing card and had his phone number on it. And I was like, oh, this is, so this is, what an experience. This is great. Um, I was very grateful for it. We get into Todd's SUV. He drives us back to the meeting point near the, near the rainbow there. Um, where I'm to meet my girlfriend, Tanya. And the last thing, as I'm getting out of the SUV, the last thing Lenny says to me is, you got the car with my phone number on it, right? And I said, yeah. And he's looking at Tanya and he says, well, when she gets tired of you, make sure to have her give me a call.
0: <laughs> nice.
3: Yeah. And I mean, that's the last thing he said, you know, and I was like, that is, uh, I love that. You know, And I told her about that, and she kind of heard it. She was with an earshot. And, you know, um, she assured me that, you know, I didn't need to ever do that but uh, you know, who knows if I was going to get my girlfriend to anybody I'd certainly be Lemmy so uh, <laughs> <laughs> well wow. that's my recollection and it was just uh, it was a nice couple hours with Lemmy
0: that yeah to be able to to hang out in his apartment and uh, and he was
3: just yeah and he was everything you thought he'd be like he was very Lemmy obviously that last thing he said was very Lemmy just that wit that humor uh, you know he didn't pretend to be anybody else but Lemmy and he was awesome at it and uh, you know it, Hit everybody like a ton of bricks when he passed. Mm. Even if we thought it might be inevitable someday here soon, because of all the problems he'd been having, it it doesn't make the impact any less. You right. Know what I mean?
0: Well, that is true, and uh, and here we are. You know, playing tribute and enjoying his music, enjoying the stories, the recollections, and uh, and really. Um, I'm I'm appreciating his character more and more with every person who kind of <laughs> who who joins us. So Absolutely um, the endless story. Too. Yeah, yeah. So thank you very much for being part of the tribute today. Thank and you, Diane. What do we say? Long live Lemmy.
3: Absolutely. Right? Uh, he'll he'll never truly die.
0: That is true. That really is true. We can we yeah, can more
3: in his music. He'll yep. live forever. People people decades from now will be discovering Motörhead, I'm sure of it.
0: Thank goodness. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Take, take care. care. Okie doke. That wraps it up for me today. Diane Kamikaze. You can reach me, Diane, at WFMU. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram, Diane Kamikaze, one word. For WFMU, keep it loud.